0: And so forth, um, that was put forth of the Spirit of God. So you want to turn this one on? Here you go. Everything's fine, brother. Oh, okay, good. Okay, you got it. Okay, very good. Thank you. And so the Lord is speaking to these seven churches. The first church he talked about about was the Church of Ephesus. Uh, And and what what stuck to me with with the Church of Ephesus is they were doing some things right. He said, I know you works, verse 2 of chapter 2. Your labor, your patience, uh, how you can't bear with those that are evil. And um, you have tried them, which say they're apostles and are not, and found them to be liars. And you've been patient. And for, for his name's sake, you labored. And you haven't fainted. You haven't grown weary. Nevertheless, he corrects them. He says, nevertheless, I have something against you because you have left your first love. So they grew cold. And the Lord is telling them, He said, Remember, therefore. So He's giving them time to repent. Remember, therefore, from whence you've fallen and repent. (sighs) You know, a lot of the religious world today in the church, where they called themselves churches, hadn't even gone as far as these people had gone. They they were doing all these things, and the Lord still comes back to them. He says, You need to repent and go back and do those first works. Or He says, he, he, he says, but "Remember, therefore, from which you fallen and repent, and do the first works, or else what? Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I'm going to remove your candlestick out of his place, except you repent. That anointing, the Spirit of God, I'm going to take my Spirit away from you. So what a re, what a rebuke! You see, you see, if they had experienced the salvation, they experienced it, but eternal life is not given to you until you finish this race. Sorry, Larry." He was referring to their first works and their love for the Lord, their passion for God, that they had, they had began to grow colder in that. They began to grow more weary and more relaxed in their walk. And he says, go back and do the first things that you did. You remember in Hebrews chapter 5, it talks about, Paul says, I'd love to teach you some things about Melchizedek and some deeper things, but you have, you have need that someone teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And then yeah, he says, let's go on to perfection. Said, they want it to yeah, yeah they, need to go, they, they need to go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and so forth. But here, so that was the first church. So he rebukes them. And they need to get some things right or they're going to be in a bad place, right? The first church, and that was the church of Ephesus. So he's writing to these seven churches. So at the end of the churches, and you'll see this on all seven of them, he says this in a different way, but he says the same thing. He says in verse 7, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to, the, to these churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life. We talked about that last week, which is in the middle of the paradise of God. But the contingency was what was going to to enable them to be able to eat of the tree of life. Because you eat the tree of life, you live forever. You'll never die. The only thing, the way that was going to enable them to do that was what? To overcome. Overcome was the contingency. So unless you overcome, overcome what? Overcome sin, overcome, uh, you know, the things that you're lacking. So it's important that you overcome in your life. We have this... uh, I know Matt talked about this, I think he said, 13 times in the, in the book of Revelation. It's mentioned to overcome. Matter of fact, I want to turn to one other place while we're there. Matt, uh, Matt I know you've gone there before with him, but uh, Revelation chapter 21 is an important, important verse about overcoming. I think one of the most powerful verses in the book of Revelation about overcoming. And here it does not use any words about if you practice this or that, then, then you won't inherit. It doesn't even use that. It actually gets right down to the nitty gritty uh, of really what it takes to make it to heaven in Acts chapter 21. Very, I mean, Revelation chapter 21. Very, very important verses here. He says in verse 7 of, of Revelation 21, he said, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Well, what if you don't overcome? You're not going to inherit all things, right? So there's a contingency there. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. It reminds me of another time when God said he'd be, be your God, and you would be his sons and daughters. Remember that when, where that is? Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says to come out from among them and be separate and don't be be a partaker of of these evil deeds. Don't hang out with with darkness. Don't fellowship with the world, basically, he says, other than to share the gospel with them. Because what fellowship does a believer have with an unbeliever? But he says here, and he goes on after that, he says, when you do this, he says, then you will be my, I will be, I will receive you. See, a lot of people, and Wes and I did a video on this about accepting the Lord. A lot of people think, well, you need to accept the Lord. You know, that's not the problem. (laughs) The Lord doesn't have to be good enough for you to accept him. You have to be good enough for him to accept you. That's the real issue. Everybody says, oh, come forward and accept the Lord. No, you want to come forward and see if you're acceptable for the Lord. Because in, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. That's the only way you're going to be acceptable to the Lord is if you present yourself a living sacrifice. What happens with a living sacrifice? It, you kill the living sacrifice. You lose your life. So it's the same gospel. But these people think they can, you can have eternal life without losing your life, and they think they've got to accept the Lord. No, the Lord's got to accept you. You need to be in a position to be accepted. Wes, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, um, like, John that he who overcomes, uh, who is he who overcomes the world, but he that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So, people think that that's just believing. Well, the believing shows, if you're not overcoming, it shows that you don't believe, like Hebrews chapter 11 says, he who comes to God must believe, believe that, that he, he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So if you're not diligently seeking him, you really don't believe. That's why repentance, like we said in our last video, on repentance is about digging deep. It's diligently seeking after him and pushing everything out of your way to get to him. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she didn't care. That's right. she, she would have been an outcast if they had right. found out about her but she pressed through the crowd and that's what diligently yes. seeking Christ is all about. If you really want to be delivered from your sin and treat it like it's some disease, then somebody's going to diligently seek him. Like uh, like Jeremiah says, you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. Now, if you don't seek after God with all your heart, guess what? You're not going to find him because mm-hmm. that's, that's what it takes mm-hmm. to really press in And uh, another scripture to go along with that is um, like the shield of faith. Like if you have faith, you have a shield, and it's keeping you from from any engagement of the enemy, the darts that are coming towards you. That shows that you have faith, because the shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts. Amen. Amen. See how these things are expressing what faith really is. What belief really is? That's why he who is born of God keeps himself; he does not sin, and the wicked one doesn't touch him. That's trusting, believing in Jesus because you're believing in His message. And if you don't believe in His message and do what He says, Jesus says, "Why do you call Me Lord, Lord? And do not the things that I say, like in Luke six? Amen. What is it? Six thirty-four. Uh, uh, uh,
0: uh, tell him. 646. Luke six forty-six. Okay. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah that's, that's good uh, And, and but I want to finish Revelation 21 uh, there we was reading he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I, will be as, and I shall be uh, uh, he shall be my son and I will be as God look at the next verse but the fearful the unbelieving the abominable murderers, whoremongers sorcerers idolaters and all liars you mean even telling a lie how many times do you have to tell a lie to be a liar it's one time so if you if you're lying, or, you know you tell it and, and you're saying stuff to make yourself uh, look good or defend yourself, you know by lying, look what look what you get. You shall have your part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What verse you so, I'm, in, I'm in verse eight. A lot of people wonder. You'll see sometimes the second death. This is this defines the second. death. This is the second death. The lake of fire is what he's talking about here. So overcoming is necessary. That's Revelation twenty-one seven and eight, man. Seven, and eight, and, and, and if that's not enough for you, what it's t- saying there, if you go to verse 20, 27 there in that same chapter, since we write there, it says that there shall in no wise enter into it. Into what? Into heaven. Anything that defileth. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination, evil, sin, or maketh a lie. But only they which are written in the last book of life. It, it says it twice there. If you do these things, you're not going to enter. A lot of people say, well, Paul's writings we're in a different dispensation, we're in a different covenant. Then why wouldn't Jesus have said it at the end of the book? Why wouldn't he have said, you don't need to obey the commandments. You're not under the law. Why wouldn't he say that? We're at the end of the book of the last chapter, last two chapters of the last book of the Bible. Surely he would have said something about that in all of his ministry. But we follow the words of Jesus Christ, don't we? Second Second Thessalonians 1.8 says that that uh, that he's coming back with fiery vengeance to execute judgment on all those that know not God and obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, people need to wake up and come to the truth. Because all these people, masses of people. Out there, going to, to today Sunday, going to and sitting down, thousands of them, millions of them, sitting down and listening to a person that calls himself a pastor who doesn't even qualify to be a pastor, and he's sitting down there and they, he's t- patting them on the back or telling them they're okay in their sin. No wonder they don't have a desire to get right because they already think they are right. Well, I, I, I'll just say this real quick: but they're, not even, they're not even using scripture; it's just like a, a big. It's a workshop.
1: Not I didn't
0: listen to it very long, but there's wrong all motivated. Not one scripture. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you ain't got the word of God in it. What do you have? You, you know what that's a man's opinion? You know what it's worth? Zero. <laughs> I mean, just Zero. Man course, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you don't even hear the word of God with him. It's very, very sad. But, but here we are, a few of us, and, and even some, I see that some that even come here, they don't have much of a desire. It's like the scripture that Wes just quoted in Jeremiah uh, uh, 29, 29, 15. It says, it says, if you'll seek me, those who seek me will seek me with all their heart, I will be found. How many seek the Lord with all their heart? Well, you don't seek him when you think you already got him. They think they already got him. So they're not seeking him. So how, are they going to get him? No way. You know, it makes me think more of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Don, when we were talking about there where you get that reprobate mind because you love the wages of unrighteousness. You love your sin and you don't want to let it go. So God gives you over that and sends a, a strong delusion, a lie, so that you believe a lie and you have a reprobate mind. Because you didn't receive the love of the truth. That's right. Which this is what the love of the truth is. This is the love letter. This is the love feast that he talks about here. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 2 now. Let's start on the next, next church. The next church is the church of Smyrna. And we'll find that in verse eight of chapter two of Revelation, he says unto the angel, or the messenger of the church and Smyrna write these things. Saith the first and the last. We know who the first and the last is because we go back to verse seventeen of chapter one, and, that's, and Jesus is speaking, and he says, "I am. Fear not. I am the first and the last, which was dead and and am alive." Uh, in which verse eighteen of chapter one says for he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore amen and have the keys of hell and death so Jesus has the keys of hell and death he's the one that you need to listen to amen I want to listen to the guy that has the keys to the door Don because he's the one that's going to open it or close it so I want to listen to what he's got to say so I can make it in that door amen that narrow way that he talks about he says I know your works I know what you're doing I know the tribulation you're going to, going through, and I know your poverty, but you're rich. Hallelujah. Let me show you something else real quick. and I just kind of flip the page a little bit to go to chapter 3? There's another church here. It's the last church he writes to. It's the church of Laodicea. The Laodiceans. And he says here in, in verse 17 of chapter 3, He's talking to church. Uh, he just told him, he says, he said, I wish you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth and vomit you out. But he says, because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and it's not that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You think you're rich. You're saying you're rich. You know what it is, Century? It's the same people say, I got it, I'm saved. I I got everything. I'm rich. I got. I got Jesus. No, you're not. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. You're wretched. You need to repent. You need to be. What does he say? He says you need. You need to be tried by the fire. You need your eyes anointed with eyesalve that you could see. He says you need. You need to. He says as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent to that church. But we're going back here, and he's telling these people that are in poverty they're rich, and he's telling those other people they think they have everything and he think that they're poor. You see the difference here? But these people, are, this is the church that's following the Lord. He said, But thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they're Jews and are not, but are to the synagogue of Satan. He said they're children of the devil. Remember what he said in first John 2 8, 3 8? He says, If you sin, you're of the devil. That's what Jesus said there. And remember when Jesus said in John chapter 8, they were saying, we're, we're children of Abraham. We're children of Abraham. We, 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 we've always been free. And Jesus said, your father is the devil. He said the same thing to them. Why? Because they were in sin. You sin, you of the devil. He says it here. He says it in John chapter 8. And he says it in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. And then he says, verse, verse 10. Fear none of those things which you shall suffer. The Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, it says, you're not only called to believe on the Lord, but to suffer for his name's sake. It says, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. It says, marvel not that the world hates you because it first hated me. It's going to hate you if you're living for God. If you're not suffering tribulation, suffering some persecution and going through some things, you're just not living for God because he said it will come. That's part of it. You're going to have people that's going to cross you and that's going to come against you. If you're not saying anything, you're not doing anything, you're not living a life, yeah, you're going to be fine, just fine. But that's not the life of a Christian. A life of a Christian is to speak those words no matter what it costs you because you, you're interested in helping somebody else come, come to the Lord. He says, Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. Some people would just quit being a Christian if that was the case. They say, God just wants to bless me. He just wants to make everything, everything so good. And you know what these people, all things were working out together for their good too. And they go to prison. Right. It's going to work out for their good. Why? Because they're going to go to heaven. Hallelujah. They go into heaven. See, some people have some kind of idea that they think, oh, God just blessed me because I'm living for Him and I got all this finance and I got all these great things. The Lord may bless you with going to prison because He got you over there to go minister to somebody. He might send you over there to Nineveh to go preach to them and let a whale swallow you for three days. Yeah. You see, but it's not about. Jesus is not a Santa Claus. He's not about what you can get in this life. He makes promise in this life, you will have trouble, John 16 says, but take courage because I have overcome the world. Because he said, where I go, he says, you will be also. He said, for I go to prepare a place for you. But he said, you shall suffer. He says, the devil shall cast, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. Well, I'm going through a trial. Lord, Lord, put me through. No, the devil, Lord's not putting you through. The Lord allowed the devil to put you through the trial. See what He said there, Don? He said the devil's going to put you in, in, in prison, and you're going to so you can be tried. <laughs> the accused of the red. He gonna put you in jail to be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be faithful. No, no, wait, no. Be faithful. I'm gonna get you out. I'm gonna deliver you. Hey, what he said, ain't that's not what he said. He said, be faithful unto death. Oh, oh, Lord. I thought you were going to tell me you're going to get me out. You're, you're telling me to be faithful to death? Wow. Come on now. And I'm going to, but look what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a crown of life. Hallelujah. Paul says, I'll take that crown. Paul was getting ready to be killed. You're reading the Fox's book of Martyrs? You've been reading that. It's like second Timothy chapter four. Paul says, man, I've kept the faith. I fought the fight. I finished my course. But now is laid in store for me a crown of righteousness because I've done that. I've finished it, man. I'm getting ready to pour. What happened to Paul? Paul got his head cut off, right? Got his head cut off. He knew that. He said, man, I'm going to death, but I'm going to get a crown of righteousness. Hallelujah. From the Lord. And the Bible says, we're going to read a little bit in Revelation. He says in chapter three or four, I think it is. He says, and they stand before the, the, the lamb of God and they take their crowns off and they lay them down. And he said, Lord, all glory, honor, power, everything to you, Lord. Hallelujah. The crown of life. Go ahead, Wes.
1: Yeah, notice how it says that you'll get the crown of life if you are faithful unto death. Just like James says, blessed is the man uh, that endured temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised Mm. to them that love him. So like what... Paul said, like he said, he fought the good fight of faith, he ran the race, finally has laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give to me, he says, but to also, to all those who love his appearing. Mm-hmm. Who are those that love his appearing? Those who are watchful, those who are obedient, Amen. those who have extra oil, they're the watchful bride, they're the, they're the bride that made herself ready by white garments, with white garments, the righteous acts of the saints, but it's all given to those That overcome that's right. And like you said, all these churches, those are the ones that are gonna have the right to have eat of the tree of life or to have eternal life, because that's really what the crowns represent. Am I frozen? No, you good? That's really what the crowns represent is eternal life. You know, it's when he says he's coming with his reward, not rewards. He says, Let no man take your crown not crowns. So Amen. all the crowns are just a metaphor for the reward of like what he told Abraham. He said, Abraham, uh, I am your shield and your great reward. He is our reward and he is the eternal life and only those who overcome uh, will be with him.
0: Amen. Good word. Amen, brother. You know, and you, you talk about this. The religious world is just not worthy, not, not, not ready for this. They, they have no idea. They're looking to be just raptured up and not go through anything, you see. But we're talking about really living this life in Christ. L- let's look at our forefathers just a moment, if we would. Go to, book, to the book of Hebrews, a good place to see it, in Hebrews chapter 11. Let, let's talk about what, what, they, what they encountered and things that they went through somewhat, okay, because they, they suffered uh, greatly, our four, some of our forefathers there. Chapter 11 of Hebrews. Um. It talks about uh, them going through some great trials, and they, they counted themselves. The Bible says in verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You guys, we are strangers and pilgrims on, the, on this earth. We're not to be of this world, we're in here. This is not our kingdom. We're not of the kingdom of the world. We're of the kingdom of God. We're strangers and pilgrims. We don't fit here. This is not our home. I don't know about you, but I'm homesick. I'm lonesome. I want to, I'm i ready to go home and be with my Lord. That's where I belong. I don't belong here. I don't fit in here. We don't fit. We're misfits here. But he says, and they, they that verse 14, and they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. They seek it something else besides what's here. And truly, if they had been mindful of that, that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned return to it. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared for them a city. Now go with me a little bit further. Um, and it t- begins to talk about uh, uh, that Moses, he forsook Egypt, uh, though he could enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, he counted it more, joy, more so to, be, be, to suffer reproach for the Lord's sake and his brethren's sake. you remember that, what he did? And he goes through a lot of them that uh, suffered greatly, Daniel, Samson, all of those. Uh, and how they subdued kings, go to verse 33, and they stopped the mouths of lions. And verse 34, they quenched the violence of fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, escaped the edge of the sword. Weakness were made strong, and so on. But look at verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured not accepting deliverance. Not, they were not trying to get out of it. That they might obtain a better resurrection. They wanted the crown of righteousness. That's why the Lord is telling them in Revelation to hold fast. They were stoned to death like Stephen. They were sawed in half in half asunder. Now, I don't know if they were sawed side by side in long ways. Skip said they were sawed, sawed long ways, Don. You remember that? When they were sawn asunder in half, they were tempted, were, were killed with the sword. Remember that happened to James. They wondered about it. Sheep skins, goat skins. Don't sound like they were real rich. they had a lot, really nice, nice places. Being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. That's our brethren. Now, people today think, well, if I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to go through any of those things. You're better than your forefathers. You're better than your brethren. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Go back to Revelation chapter two. So he tells them, "Don't fear any of the things that's coming. You're going to be put in prison. Uh, don't worry about it if, you, if you're going to die, if they're going to kill you. You know that's okay." He says, "Hold fast. I'm going to give you a crown of life. They kill you. I'm, I got a crown of life waiting for you. As soon as, they, as, soon as you close those eyes and you're dead, uh, Tommy, I got something for you. It's going to be worth it all. Hallelujah." And he says, he that hath ears to hear, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you have an ear to hear? Are you listening to what he's saying here? Do you have an ear to be able to understand that you may die for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ to hold fast because he's got a crown of righteousness Are you ready for that? You got an ear to hear it? He that, here it is again, he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death does it again. There's overcoming. That's the second church we're reading of, and he says the contingency is that you overcome. Amen? Overcoming is what's necessary to enter God's kingdom. I'm going to stop there, um, open it up. Uh, Before we go to church, we're going to go to the uh, next church, which is the Church of Pergamos, next week. Uh, You can read that over if you went through the week and and studied that, but Uh, Here we are. We had one church so far that had 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 to receive some correction. Right. And then now we have a church now. These guys, the church of Smyrna, we're getting it right. And we're living for God and going through the sufferings and doing the right things. Anybody have any comment? Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it takes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's right. Uh, uh, Eric, I think you, had, you came on. You wanted to say something, brother?
1: Just uh, Yeah, Just I love what you said about, you know, that, that we are to consider ourselves uh, as having been washed by the blood of Christ as citizens of heaven. We're already citizens. We're just in an alien world. But I love that concept. Uh, if you could, Pastor Don, could you address that second death again? Because the Bible does talk about, you know, uh, when we die physically. And then obviously we put to death the old man. And then here it's talking about the second death as that death uh, in hell. So,
0: Yeah, I think that that's the same as like in Romans 6.23 when the wages of sin is death. That's talking about the second death. Of after you, the real death, physical, is the death of the physical when you die physically. That's the that's the real first death. The spiritual death it talks about of dying in Christ and becoming a new creature. But when the physical body dies, is the first death. The second death is when you actually die eternally in, in hell. And he says that he says that that uh, he, you would not be hurt of the second death. We not hurt of that. Praise God. We have eternal life then if you hold fast. Amen. Okay, uh, Matt, you had something, I think, brother? Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir.
2: Okay, yeah, I just wanted to share that something for all of us to be able to take to those people that are so deceived by the lies about constant sin in our lives and stuff that and whatever they you know think that repentance is, which is a wrong definition. I really love the video that you and Wes put together. Something that's worth sharing to them is that uh, when you look at these churches in Revelation that we're going through, like the one that we just read in Smyrna, but also the Church of Philadelphia starting in Revelation 3-7, and I, I know we'll get to eventually, two of the churches did not have a rebuke or a correction at all. They were doing everything that Christ had expected them to do. And so a lot of people have this mindset that, oh, we, we can't do it. It's
0: impossible. Mm. Well, look. Mm-hmm. That's a good churches, point. It's not it for a while that five of them got a rebuke
2: or a, a correction to repent, but two of them didn't. One of them was like, hey, you're going to be tested. You're going to be tried in a trial and stay faithful, you know, to the point of death. And so that, that always encouraged me. It's something I try to share with people when they try to you – know, you guys have seen it before. They make the whole Bible twisted to, to say that we're always constant sinners all the time. And I share with people that it, it starts with faith, obviously. And when you've repented, you have in your mindset, uh, like Proverbs 23.7 says, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Can I actually go and sin no more? If you start with that mindset and you don't have this double mind of, well, I'm going to sin. I can't possibly overcome until, you know, all the way up and be faithful until death. Well, this is one of the things that I love about Psalm 119. It's, it's the longest psalm and it's, it's also my favorite. Um, but one of the, the verses that really just encouraged me, and I may have shared it before, is Psalm 119, verse uh, 112. And right after – this, this is every – Every true child of God's um, saying or, or mantra or whatever you want to call it. But we've taken on his testimony because a heritage forever. Trevor uh, 111 says, For they are the rejoicing of my heart. And then look at Psalm, Psalm 119, verse 112. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. And so even though tomorrow's not guaranteed, we don't know when we're going to die, we know that if we keep our hearts that way, then I'm going to incline his testimony. So I'm going to do everything God and Christ tell me. To forever to the very end, amen. knowing that I could fall, I could stumble, but I'm going to take away out that God gives me every time, then you won't be the double minded man that James warns us of in mm-hmm. chapter 1. And look at verse 113 right here. I hate the double minded, but I love your law. So we mm. can't have this double minded that, oh, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fall. It's inevitable. I, I hear so many people say that in the system. And so I think these, it's great that you're going to a revelation because these can be very encouraging facts that at least two of the churches didn't have anything wrong with them. And even one of the ones that did have something wrong, there were still a few that hadn't sold their garments. So it is, it's proof positive that the few can remain faithful. And so I, I think that's encouraging for us to keep going and it's something to share with those that are deceived by the church system.
0: Amen. Thank you, Matt, for those words. Good words. Very, very, very wise and good words. Amen. It's continuing in the faith. Um, what does he say in, in James chapter 4? Um you know, to uh, cleanse your hands, your sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, you know, and uh, that's something that you must do, and keep yourself in the love of God, like the uh, uh, scripture earlier, First John five eighteen, I think it was 19, that um, he who's born of God, does not commit sin, for he keeps himself, and that wicked one touches him not, so I'm thankful for that, uh, join the, the book of Revelation, uh, we, we have a lot to go, and And I know we kind of, my slow one may speed up, but I wanted wanted to go through those churches because those churches represent, uh, uh, you know, things that they were going through to uh, relate to what you may be going through and uh, of what it really takes to enter into God's kingdom. But you'll, like I said, you'll see at the end of every church, all seven churches as you're writing to, that the contingency was whether they were overcoming. You know what thing that the Lord promises he says in James 4 he says if you'll draw near to me then I'll draw near to you. Peter says I, I will commit the keeping of my soul unto a faithful creator as we walk with him and we do our part. You
3: will keep me by your you will keep me by Your grace as I look in Your holy face. You will keep me by Your grace. You will keep me by Your grace. You. in your holy faith you will keep me by your grace fleshly power can prevail in the battle
0: Your name's written in glory. He says, one Church, says I will not remove your name from the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. What I've got it.
3: The greatest thing in all of my life is loving you. want to love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. The greatest thing in all of my life
0: is loving you. Hallelujah, Lord. Put your phones away. Just praise the Lord. No need to be looking at a phone. We praise the Lord. Let us worship him as a group together in the Lord. For he deserves our praise and our worship. So let us offer up a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, in praising the Lord. The greatest
3: thing in all of my life is love. greatest thing in all of my life is loving you. I want to
0: Thank you, Lord, for your keeping power. Thank you, Lord, for all your might. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. We love you, Jesus, and we praise your holy name, God. The greatest thing in our life is loving you, Jesus, and walking with you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We honor you. Holiness, oh Lord.
3: Hallelujah, Lord hallelujah lord we praise your holy name lord we praise your holy name lord god you're so good god
2: No matter where we are in the world, Lord, we to gather together in your name and just continue to to lift you up and and praise you each and every day with uh, with our lives, Lord, and and everything we do. Lord, I'm so thankful for all the brothers here, Lord, and just their their love for you. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you just continue to strengthen each and every one of us, Lord, each and
0: every day. Just continue to keep our mind and focus and our hearts just fixed on all we do. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you. Lord. Thank you, Lord. At this time we can all stand and have communion. We'd like you to guys to join in with us if you have to go understand. But we'd like to do this in memory of our Lord of what He's done for us. So if you have some bread and something there to drink, we'd love you to join in with us as we come together and we worship the Lord through uh, communion together. Again, thank you so much for joining in. And we appreciate everyone, everything everyone has to say and input it. What a blessing it is to be encouraged by other like-minded brethren. Thank God we're in this warfare together to bring forth the truth in a dying world. The whole world, the Bible says, lies in wickedness. But you're called out and you've reached out and you cried out to God to be that light in the midst of darkness and walk in that. So as we uh, come together like for you all to take the uh, bread and to lift it up. Jesus had got together with his disciples in a room like this, somewhat, and he uh, was getting ready to go to the most um, painful thing that he ever went through. And he was going through it for you and I, so that we could be forgiven for all of our past sin. And through him we could be free from the power of sin and darkness all the bondage that we were in. He knowing that day that was facing him, he got together with his disciples and I want to warn you first of all, don't take of this communion. Don't take of his bread, body and his blood if you're not really right with God. If you've got sin in your life, you've been looking at pornography, you've been looking at junk, you've been in sin, you need to repent. He says that if you take this unworthily, you eating and drinking the blood of the Lord to your own damnation, he said, that's why many are dead and some are sick among you. So examine your heart. I pray that you repent. You turn from your sin and you're able to take this. But if not, don't. I warn you. But Jesus was there and he lifted up, his, lifted up the bread as he, he broke it. And he said, this is my body that I give for you. you. Take you all of it and eat it. Thank you. Let's eat. After he had taken the bread, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood that I shed for you, for the world, for the forgiveness, remission of sin, take away your sin, but I give my own blood for you. Take it and drink it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my brethren, for joining in. Appreciate every one of you. Let's all remember to pray for one another this week. We'll meet again Thursday at uh, 7 o'clock Central Time. My time. So figure that out on your time. We're so thankful to have you. What a blessing each one of you are to my life. I thank you for joining in tonight. Thank you. And we want to hear from you and from all, the, all of you brethren. God bless you. I also want to thank everyone on YouTube for tuning in. I know we have some special new guests. Thank you for being with us tonight. I hope you enjoyed. I hope it was edifying to you and it was a blessing. So let's go, let's go to battle this week. And let's. Minister this gospel to many people out there. God bless you. Have a good night. God speed to you. God bless you. Good night.